Hello, Word Nerds. Welcome to another episode of The Dictionary. We are at the last section of page 49. I don't ever look at the words ahead of time. I just basically start reading. Uh, and so, I, of course, I had no idea that the last two episodes uh, would have a lot of personal uh, connections to me. Animals, animation, things like that. So I've talked a lot about those so I've talked a lot about those. Uh, we will see what this next episode will bring. I have no idea if I will have any personal connections to any of these words, uh, but we will find out. So first word is animosity, A-N-I-M-O-S-I-T-Y. This is a noun from 1605, ill will or resentment tending toward active hostility, an antagonistic attitude. See the word Enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. Yes, I have a personal connection to this. I have a lot of animosity towards my face. Just kidding. I love my face. This is from, uh, let's see, the Latin animosus, which means spirited, which is from animus, and probably from anima, which means soul. All right, next is animus, which is uh, the Latin word that we just mentioned. It's a noun from 1816, one basic attitude or governing spirit. Synonyms are disposition and intention. Two, a usually prejudiced and often spiteful or malevolent ill will. Three, an inner masculine part of the female personality in the analytic psychology of C.G. Jung. Of course, Jung is J-U-N-G. I think I forgot to mention that a couple episodes ago. And then it says compare to anima, a-N-I-M-A, and a synonym is enmity. So looking at that third definition, it's the inner masculine part of the female personality. And previously, let's see if I can find it, we had the feminine part of the male personality. And where was that? Yes, it was anima, A-N-I-M-A. And uh, now, of course, this is all making sense because at the end of animus, it said compare to anima. There we go. And so as I'm looking at these words a little bit more closely, um, you can figure out if you've ever forgotten which one is which. You can easily figure it out because usually um, at the end of some languages like Spanish and Latin, if uh, a word is feminine, it ends in an A. So anima is the feminine part of the male personality. Uh, and then vice versa, if it ends in an uh, U.S. or an O often, um, it's the male or masculine version. So in this case, animus or animus is the masculine part of the female personality, according to C.G. Jung, of course. All right, next is anion, A-N-I-O-N. This is a noun from 1834. The ion in and electrolyzed solution that migrates to the anode, broadly a negatively charged ion. This is from the Greek, it's the neutral of anion, uh, spelled the same, but it has a, an accent over the O, uh, which is from anini, oh, which means to go up, which is from uh, ana plus anai, which means to go, and there's more at the word issue, I-S-S-U-E. No clue how issue is connected to all of that. Next, we have anionic, A-N-I-O-N-I-C. This is an adjective from circa 1920. One, of or relating to anions. Two, 
characterized by an active and especially surface-active anion. Of course, those are related to the word that we just read. Now we have a prefix, anis or aniso, A-N-I-S or A-N-I-S-O, and it means unequal, as in anisotropic. Next we have anis, A-N-I-S-E. This is a noun from the 14th century, a Eurasian annual herb of the carrot family, having a carminative and aromatic seeds, also the synonym aniseed, A-N-I-S-E-E-D. I have had, I think, anise cookies before. Uh, They taste a lot like licorice. So if you are a fan of licorice, specifically black licorice, you will probably like them. But a lot of people are not big fans of black licorice like me, and so they were not my favorite thing. And here we have aniseed. It's the next word. It is a noun from the 14th century. The seed of anise, often used as a flavoring in liqueurs and in cooking. Next, we have anisiconia, A-N-I-S-E-I-K-O-N-I-A. This is a noun from 1934, a defect of binocular vision in which the two retinal images of an object differ in size. Anisiconic is an adjective. This is from the Latin prefix anis, from the Greek icon, which means image, And there's more at the word icon. And of course, the Greek icon is spelled E-I-K-O-N. Of course, everybody knows that. If you didn't know, we have binocular vision. We have two eyes that are both facing forward. And because they are spaced a certain distance apart, they see everything at a slightly different angle. Uh, It gives us stereoscopic vision, which is how we can see in three dimensions. If you were to look at a bird or a deer or uh, certain animals, they have eyes on the either side of their head. Uh, I don't think that would be considered binocular vision. Uh, They have that because it allows them to see as much of the world around them, uh, specifically so they can avoid predators. We don't really have to worry about that quite as much, and so our eyes are in the front of our head. Um, And I think we need to see things in three dimensions more so than they do. Can they see in three dimensions if if their eyes aren't both pointed at the same thing at the same time? I'm not really sure how that works. Um, Are they just used to seeing? uh, I have no idea how that works. Eyes and the way we see are super interesting to me. All right, moving on. Anaset, A-N-I-S-E-T-T-E. This is a noun from 1836 a usually colorless sweet liqueur flavored with aniseed. Next, we have Anishinaabe. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, It is capital A-N-I-S-H-I-N-A-B-E or N-A-A-B-E. Or it could also be A-N-I-S-H-I-N-A-B-E-G. And that would be Anishinaabeg or Anishinaabeg, something like that. Uh, It's an Ojibwa word, so I don't speak that, so clearly it's coming out of my mouth very poorly. Uh, This is a noun from 1902, uh, and it just has the one definition of the word Ojibwa. Next is Anisogamous, A-N-I-S-O-G-A-N. 
M-O-U-S. This is an adjective from 1891, characterized by fusion of heterogamous gametes, or of individuals that usually differ chiefly in size, as in anisomagous reproduction. An anisogamy is a noun. I don't know if I said heterogamous correctly. It is spelled H-E-T-E-R-O-G-A-M-O-U-S. Next, we have anisometropia, A-N-I-S-O-M-E-T-R-O-P-I-A. This is a noun from circa 1880. Unequal refractive power in the two eyes. Anisometropic is an adjective. This is from the Greek uh, animosotros, which is of unequal measure. And there's more at the word measure. Now we have anisotropic. So we got rid of the M-E in the middle. This is an adjective from 1879, exhibiting properties with different values when measured in different directions, as in an anisotropic crystal. Anisotropically is an adverb, and anisotropy or anisotropism are nouns. Next we have Anjou, capital A-N-J-O-U. This is a noun from 1941, a large, sweet, ovoid pear having a usually yellowish-green skin. Next we have anchorite or anchorite, A-N-K-E-R-I-T-E. This is a noun from circa 1843, a yellowish to brown mineral consisting of a carbonate of calcium and iron. This is German from the person M.J. Anker, who died in 1843. It was an Austrian mineralogist. Next we have Ankh, and this will be the last word for this episode, Ankh, A-N-K-H. This is a noun from 1888, a cross having a loop for its upper vertical arm and serving especially in ancient Egypt as an emblem of life. This is from Egypt. Um, It either is or it's from the word that means live, L-I-V-E. Probably not live, probably live. And then there's a picture of an ankh, uh, and as described, it is a a cross, but instead of the small vertical piece at the top, um, it's kind of like a big loop. I'm sure you've seen this before. All right, that will end this episode. We will start the next one at the very, very bottom of page 49 with the word ankle, which goes on to the next page. Thank you very much for listening. I'm supposed to pick a word, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and pick anisogamous because it's a fun word to say. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. And until next time, this is Spencer reading the dictionary. Goodbye.